The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. We're America listeners. Welcome to the 84th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. Happy holidays to all of you, and today I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past year. Also, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Let's jump right into it. My highlight of the year is the Olympic Games over in London, and... Tremendous storylines throughout the uh, two weeks of the games, headlined by, uh, in my mind, Usain Bolt, uh, with another virtuoso performance as the world's fastest human. And it was also spectacular to watch Michael Phelps add to his all-time winning list of gold medals, the U.S. women's gymnastics team, the U.S. women's soccer team. It was just simply uh, tremendous games. London did a great job. Absolutely compelling viewing for two weeks straight. And uh, therefore, it was an easy choice to make that my highlight of the year. My low light of the year was the replacement refs situation with the NFL. It absolutely was the talk of the country for the better part of a month, and obviously reached it uh, reached its crescendo and tipping point. That famous Monday night in Seattle, when uh, when the Seahawks won the game on the hotly disputed interception uh, versus a touchdown for the Green Bay Packers, and. Uh, Yes, so it was just incredible, so much so that it led, uh, you know, that it led to the president tweeting about it the next day, and within a matter of days, the entire replacement ref debacle had come to an end, 
And just to refer to what I said earlier, obviously it was a touchdown for the Seattle Seahawks uh, on what appeared to be an interception for the Green Bay Packers. My bizarre story of the year was Ryder Cup Sunday. It started off in the most bizarre fashion possible when the best player in the world, Rory McIlroy, showed up late, barely making it there onto the course at Medina in Illinois uh, for his tea time. And from there, it just turned into, again, a completely bizarre day as uh, the European team stormed back with the greatest comeback in Ryder Cup history, not to mention that it was on the road in the U.S. versus 1999, where when a, a similar comeback happened by the U.S. team, it was on home turf up here in Boston. I was there that day in 1999. And again, it was one of those days where you could not believe what you were seeing. And for that reason, it is my bizarre uh, story of the year. My event of the year that I attended was very recent, the San Francisco 49ers at New England Patriots. Sunday night game, epic game, but for me it was uh, a unique experience because I had the pleasure to accompany San Francisco 49ers owner, John York, around the stadium before the game as he greeted and mingled with 49er fans who had, many of whom had traveled 3,000 miles to be at the game. Uh, he basically goes around the field. He's been doing this for eight years. And to my knowledge, is the only NFL owner who does this. And he went around the field uh, handing out San Francisco 49er lapel pins. Very nice. And he also carries with him about a dozen or so field passes that when he engages in conversations with, uh, you know, with 49er fans, uh, you know, he basically picks some and just hands them two field passes and they are immediately uh, ushered down onto the field to stay there until just before kickoff. Uh, with their 49ers literally right in front of them, a couple feet away, watching them warm up. And to see the emotion from these people, from these fans who have traveled to follow their team, when Dr. York gives them the field passes was truly, truly uh, something to behold. Uh, quick background on this, I had met uh, Dr. York back in 2009 covering an NFL owners meetings. And he was getting ready to head over to Wembley Stadium for the game between the Patriots and the Bucks that year. And we were talking. I was doing a story on the NFL's international strategy for Financial Times Newspaper of London. And Dr. York was telling me how he was planning to greet 49er fans at Wembley. And I said then that uh, I thought that would make for an interesting story sometime. And if we were ever uh, together in the same stadium, I'd love to shadow him. He agreed then, and we have had some opportunities to meet in the subsequent years. He is the a true gentleman, 
very affable and friendly and I reiterated my interest in doing this and uh, lo and behold it came to fruition uh, when we did the 49ers Patriots uh, and it was just again a terrific experience the weather was awful which made me uh, even more impressed that Dr. York does this and has this personal interaction with fans on the road. Um, and when I say awful, I mean awful. It was just uh, freezing, misting, somewhat driving, at times driving rain. Uh, Dr. York, ha who I met outside the 49ers locker room right when the gates open, uh, which for... Or, the Sunday night game was 6.30 Eastern time. Uh, he donned his 49er coat, and uh, off we went, completely undeterred by the weather. The fans were uh, well aware of who Dr. York was. Uh, they were shouting his name, what have you, and just, again, enjoying the interaction, the greeting, Dr. York's on the field. The fans are, of course, ringing the, in this case, Gillette Stadium, on Sunday night, uh, and he just walks around. He's on the field, reaching up, giving out the lapel pins, and or and the field passes to some, shaking their hand, having some conversation. And, uh, again, it's just, uh, you know, very nice. It's a nice touch. Uh, one of the things that was interesting to me was uh, how Jim Harbaugh's phrase, who's got it better than us? was getting a lot of play uh, during these interactions. Uh, it's clearly the 49ers rallying cry, and uh, will be interesting to watch uh, this team as they go into the playoffs. Uh, it was an epic game, and I could definitely see the 49ers ending up in the Super Bowl. So, again, many of the fans were from, like, California. There was actually two who had flown in from Mexico City, uh, that was really cool. They were very excited, and all in all, just uh, a wonderful, wonderful event to witness, to be part of. Uh, and for those, all those reasons, it was for me my event of the year. And here, just uh, you know, just very recent. Um, so, lots and lots of fun, and uh, again. The memory I will probably most treasure from 2012. And Dr. York and I also had a chance uh, to discuss a couple of key topics to the NFL. Number one, he is the current chairman of the NFL's all-important health and safety committee. And he had this to say regarding uh, current developments with this hot topic, the hottest topic in sports, which is player health and safety. This is John Inglesby of Voice America Sports, and I'm here with John York, owner of the San Francisco 49ers prior to their game against the New England Patriots on December 16th. We just did the walk around where John greets 49er fans. And, John, just wanted to ask you a few things. Uh, first of all, you're the chairman of the NFL's Health and Safety Committee, the hottest topic in sports these days. I wondered if you could just uh, tell our listeners a, a little bit about your role and what's happening in that arena. 
Uh, well, the Health and Safety Committee has been around for a little over a year, and uh, my involvement has been for about four years. Uh, so uh, we've boosted and uh, helped increase the way that we do our injury surveillance. It's been going on for 30 years, and we uh, went over to a group called Outcome to make that injury surveillance better. I uh, just got back from the International Concussion Conference in Zurich that is um, uh, chaired by FIFA, but uh, FIFA, the IOC, International Rugby, Australian Rules Football, Hockey um, were some of the sports that were involved as well as the NFL. And uh, concussions are something that everybody is worried about. The NFL is very concerned about concussions, but it's something that involves all people who play sports, whether they are youth, amateur, or professionals, and involves about 35 million people in the U.S. and about 350 million worldwide. So something that we have to pay attention to and uh, get our arms around and make sure that we take care of uh, kids, um, college players and professional players when they've had a concussion. Well said by Dr. York, and again, the all-important Health and Safety Committee of the NFL. I can't think of a better person to be the chair of that committee than Dr. York. And prior to that, and when we first met back in 2009, Dr. York was the chairman of the NFL's International Committee. And so I wanted to catch up with him. He is still on the committee. So I wanted to get his thoughts on the NFL's international strategy. I'm here with John York, owner of the San Francisco 49ers. And, John, you and I first met in 2009 when you were chair of the NFL's International Committee and just announced this year for the first time there will be two games in London in the 2013 season. Can you talk a little bit about the international strategy? Uh, Yes. The games have been so popular over in the U.K. that... uh, the owners voted to play two games starting uh, this year in 2013, and the 49ers will play in that second game against the Jaguars. Looking forward to a, uh, uh, a big game as well as a lot of entertainment in connection with the fans in the U.K. and the ones that come throughout Europe over to uh, London for the game. So we're looking forward to it. Thank you, John. Again. That was John York, owner of the 49ers, and again, great insight on uh, where the NFL stands uh, on their international games in London. So, with that said, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback. 
and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, and it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us now is friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and happy holidays, A.P. Oh, thank you, John. Same to you and all your listeners. Well, thank you so much, as always, for calling in. Uh, I know you've had a very, very busy schedule here in the month of December, particularly with the SEC championship game. And speaking of championship games, we got one coming up. Uh, as we all know, on January 7th, you are uh, with Bama Magazine and have covered the Alabama Crimson Tide, who obviously will be playing Notre Dame in the BCS National Championship game. And uh, so I thought it'd be good to start off with just taking a few minutes to, uh, you know, analyze that game. I, I, I'll start off by saying I think it will be the most watched college football game in history. Yeah, I totally agree with you, John. Uh, the numbers will be astronomical. And the, the TV people, they must have been so excited they couldn't contain themselves after Alabama squeaked out that win over Georgia and, and Notre Dame hung on against Southern California. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, the SEC championship game was absolutely amazing. You have since joined us. You described it in wonderful detail uh, soon after the game was played. And uh, Alabama, I mean, you have to be thrilled at how, you know, you are covering 
uh, one of what has the potential. If they win, we'll definitely get down as one of the great college football dynasties ever. It'll be three national championships in four years. Is that correct? That, that's right, John. In 2009, they were fortunate to beat Texas with when McCoy was injured, and uh, then they had three losses the next year, came back to uh, uh, come to New Orleans and play LSU again. The way everything worked out, all the stars were aligned, or these different teams uh, defaulted, and Alabama was able to get back in the championship game uh, to play their SEC Western Division foe. So it would be the third time in, in four years, which would be quite amazing. And it's another golden era of Alabama football, which – They've, they've had a few over the last nine or ten decades. <laughs> yes, they have. Uh, and that's the beauty of this game is, you know, that it's really two of college football's most storied programs. That goes without saying. Um, and hence, that is why the uh, the ratings are just going to be just absolutely off the charts. And then, you know, to boot, you just have that, uh, the, the sexiness to this game, which I think and I feel is, you know, uh, Alabama's offense against Notre Dame's spectacular defense. And Alabama's offense, you know, watching that SEC championship game and the LSU game and many others this year, you know, the way they're able to bring Eddie Lacy and then change a the pace with TJ Yeldon. True freshman who, by the way, I saw in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl a mere 11 months ago down in uh, San Antonio, um, I, I just think elevates this game. You know, it's the old uh, immovable object versus irresistible force, and I, I think that adds a lot to this already epic matchup. Yeah, John, I, I can't wait to see Alabama's line <clears throat> uh, go against the defensive line of Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame's defensive line, they're all 300-pounders in that 3-4 uh, formation, and then they have some good rushers from the edge as well. And then to complement that front uh, three or four, they have uh, Manti Teow, an outstanding linebacker. And, you know, John, I've been talking to some of Notre Dame's opponents across the country in the last few weeks, and one thing they've all touched on is the fact that uh, Manti Teo, he's a different, completely different player this year. Uh, sometimes last year we were able to fool him with some plays, but he's been watching so much film that he had able to diagnose the play and quickly get to the ball carrier. It's, and, you know, he's a phenomenal uh, player, you know, to intercept so many passes as six or seven from the linebacker position, it's unheard of. And he, he has so many, you know, tackles this year, 100, over 100, I guess it is. So Alabama's going to have their hands full with that front seven, and it'll be you know quite a challenge for this line that's been you know lived up to the billing, I believe, most of the time through through this year. But to just give you an indication, Alabama, the first time in the history of the school, had two running backs rush for a thousand yards. Never that happened being... at Alabama. So so that'll give you an idea of uh, the level of production of that offensive line, and and they have you know two excellent running backs as you mentioned. And the the thousand yard rushers were, of course, Lacey and Yeldon. I assume. Yes, yes, that's right. And uh, TJ actually, I think, was one thousand yards on the nose at this point. Oh wow! Well, good for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I'm a big fan. You know, I, I've always been. You know, I think everybody, every sports fan, loves to be able to say I saw them win, and I got to see T 
TJ in high school, as it were, as a high school player in the in the All Star game I mentioned in San Antonio, U.S. Army All American Bowl again just this past January, and uh, and you know to see him doing what he's doing in his freshman year at Alabama is remarkable. In Alabama, I mean now you know you talk about turning into a running back factory. I mean, it started with Mark Ingram and quickly goes to Trent Richardson, who's tearing it up in Cleveland now. And now you have Eddie Lacy, who is just uh, a beast. And then you compliment him with TJ Yeldon, who again, he's a freshman. So you have to look at his career and think, you know, is he going to follow in the footsteps of, uh, of Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson. And, you know, so it is really, uh, becoming a staple, you know, it's it's kind of beginning to be what you think of when you think now of Alabama under Nick Saban. Yeah, he has two powerful. He likes to have a you know complimentary backfield of two like two hundred pound running backs and and not overuse them or give them the ball an excessive amount of times to wear them out over the course of their career. And he's been able to sell that to these running backs to, to you know attend Alabama and. You know, next year, John, they've got this running back from Uly, Florida, and he, I guess he's at the national high school record, some ridiculous number, 10, 12,000 yards. And coincidentally enough, uh, the fellow who held the record was many years ago in the 50s, and he, he played for Coach Bryant at Texas A&M. Wow. That's amazing. I hadn't heard that, and that's why we love having you on. You have some of these great facts. And if I'm not mistaken, that boy's name is uh, Warren Henry. Right. And Henry, yeah, big, big running back. I think he's 6'3 or so, uh, unusually tall for a running back. But uh, be interested to watch him compete next year. Uh, and, you know, Lacey still has another year, but I, I tend to think that he'll be coming out. Yeah, well, he certainly got the size for the NFL, no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> And you know it's interesting. I believe uh, speak. I believe that I, I watched Warren Henry play on national TV this year in a high school game down in Florida. It's, he's from uh, around the Jacksonville area, I believe, and he played against a team that had a terrific running back of their own, who is uh, going to be attending the University of Florida. So they'll be seeing each other in the SEC. But I believe Henry. Uh, is going to be playing in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio, which I will be in attendance at again. Uh, that's in two weeks from tomorrow, January 5th on NBC. And uh, so, wow, that just, you know, uh, the rich get richer. What can you say about that? And so that's going to be great. And, you know, it's... Uh, Saban, Nick Saban. What's what's your take on Nick Saban as you're witnessing uh, him, you know, putting together this again, one of, potentially one of the great dynasties in college football history? You know, John, when you look at uh, different schools around the country, sometimes they'll have a good year. But, I mean, he put together a good program. Uh, you know, they don't have that. They don't seem to have that up and down uh, peaks and valleys with him as the head coach. He brings in the talent, uh, some of the top talent in the country. He's able to develop those players, and he's able to get that singleness of purpose of everybody, you know, sacrificing for the team. In other words, maybe you have a quarterback like A.J. McCarron on some other team. He'd probably throw the ball maybe 400 times or something. 
but he's deferred to the running game and utilized the play-action pass. And uh, like, for instance, last year in the championship game, he uh, Nick Saban put the ball in his hands, and they threw it 25 times in the first half. Wow. So, I mean, they had total respect for LSU's defensive line, and A.J. was able to win the Most Outstanding Player Award. But, I mean, he's not a person who's a quarterback who's throwing the ball 35 times every game, but he has that capability. But he, uh, you know, believes in the team concept, and everyone with the program is on the same page. And Nick Saban, he created an organization that uh, every team in the country is trying to emulate. I mean, even I was at the press conference in New York, at the NASDAQ, and uh, Nick Saban was there with the coach of Notre Dame, Brian Kelly, and he talked about how he w- really admired the Alabama program, and he's trying to build something similar. So, he, you know, Nick Saban has not only affected the SEC, but teams from around the country are trying to mirror that program. Absolutely, and you and I had the pleasure. Uh, for, well, for me, it was a one-time thing, but you were there as well. Uh, the night of the NFL draft, uh, round one that Thursday night this past year, uh, Nick talked with the media for a few minutes and, uh, you, you know, I was very impressed to say the least. And, uh, AP, it's time for our break, but, uh, on the other side, I, I came across a very interesting Alabama story that I want to run by you, uh, when we begin the next segment. Already. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins. Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry, your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Boys America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And still on the line with us is our friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we were talking about uh, Nick Saban and, of course, the Alabama dynasty and came across something just the other day that uh, I thought was really fascinating, which was uh, that... Former Jacksonville Jaguars coach and current NFL assistant coach Jack Del Rio has a son who is a highly rated high school quarterback, getting offers from very big-name schools, scholarship offers, and instead he just announced that he is choosing to come on to Alabama as a walk-on. I think it just speaks volumes about the stature of Nick Saban and the Alabama football program as it stands right now. Yeah, I found that fascinating myself, John, the uh, young fellow who'd have a scholarship to Oklahoma State, Oregon State, those are big-time programs, and, you know, they, they want to attend uh, Alabama as a walk-on. It's, it's quite incredible. He, and, uh, I mean, that, that's the third quarterback, John, that will be entering this class because we wow. have uh, Cooper Bateman from Utah and, you know, he's like a second or third rated quarterback in the country. And then there's another quarterback from Georgia as well. So, I mean, he's not only, you know, following the, the top quarterback, but there's another one in line. So he must be really confident about his abilities. And, and maybe he's thinking down the line about getting into coaching and he wants to be around a program that wins and be around a top-notch coach as well. Kind of reminds me of someone else that, uh, that we all know named uh, Tom Brady, obviously a Star in California high school uh, high schools, but yet uh, and highly recruited, especially on the West Coast. But uh, you know his mantra was then and is now. You know to be the best, you have to compete against the best. He went to Michigan, uh, which already had whatever five, six, seven quarterbacks on the roster yeah. with incoming. Incoming highly ranked recruits as well, and you know we we all know how that story is turning out. So the, this uh, Del Rio son sounds like he might have a little of that in him. Yeah, I, I think so, John. It's, and it should be interesting uh, to see what he does if he, he has a chance to to uh, you know move up the ladder because you, you never can tell in the world of football. There's injuries, and there's maybe people who you know thought they were fit in the system and and things happen down the road, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, he's fortunate in that he uh, doesn't have financial pressure, as we say. We're assuming, uh, given his father's NFL tenure, uh, but it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how it all turns out. You know, just sticking with Alabama, uh, just to close out, you know, the upcoming BCS National Championship game against Notre Dame, you know, why, why don't you just talk about, you know, what you see, how you see the game itself playing out? Yeah, John, uh, I think the interesting fact about both those teams and their offenses, they both uh, 
are balanced. They average over 200 yards a game uh, rushing and passing. And that that's something every coach strives to, uh, you know, um, you know that that's an objective or a goal each year to be a balanced attack. And you know Notre Dame has good good running backs, good solid running backs, and they have a two quarterback system if need be, where Golston is a playmaker and can extend the play. Uh, you know if, if he, he gets pressured, and then you have Reese as the, the pure passer. And they've they've won 12 games, and a lot of the teams that I spoke to across the country, they say you don't want to get in a close game with Notre Dame. I mean they're they're used to winning those tight ball games, and uh, not that Alabama hasn't, but Notre Dame seems to have a a lucky streak this year of winning those close games. And you know they're well deserved. They they stopped different teams at the goal line, Stanford and USC, and won in two or three overtimes over Pittsburgh. So. But uh, I think it's going to be uh, – I would advise your, your listeners to watch Alabama at the beginning of the game and see if they're going to attack the strength of Notre Dame, the defensive line, or are they going to defer and try to get A.J. trying to throw over the top of that front seven. I think that's a, an early key. And then after a while, I think Alabama might have a little bit of advantage if they keep pounding away – and I don't think Notre Dame has the depth at that defensive line. They're outstanding, you know, top talent, but I think uh, you can wear them down possibly. You know, maybe two and a half quarters, Notre, Notre Dame hangs with them. They're able to stop Alabama. But you get into that third and fourth quarter, and Alabama's still pounding away with those two big running backs. That might be uh, the difference maker. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think both secondaries are going to be tested because the front sevens are so good for both teams. So I think you'll see uh, each quarterback trying to go over the top. And Alabama has shown a vulnerability uh, to miss some assignments in the secretary, uh, secondary. And you can get deep once in a while, as Michigan did uh, with Denard Robinson a few times. So I think it's be interesting for uh, the defensive coordinators how, how to defend the pass as well. Another thing that I, when I spoke to different opponents across the country about Notre Dame, everyone mentioned the tight end. Of Notre Dame, and yes, he's the Mackey Award winner, I believe, and so look for him to try to get a mismatch on the outside. He's about six five or six six, and they like to get him on a cornerback or a safety outside and just throw that high pass like a jump pass in basketball, and he's very effective. So he's uh, being called the greatest tight end in Notre Dame history, which when you have people like Dave Casper and Ken McAfee, uh, that's saying something. Right, right. And uh, for those for those listeners, you know, Ken McAfee, he was a great player at Notre Dame. His yes. dad actually played at Alabama in the 50s. <laughs> really? Sure did, sure did. Who knew? Yeah. And, uh, of course, Dave Casper was a great one, and he hooked up with Kenny Stabler of Alabama later on with the Oakland Raiders and uh, got his way to the Hall of Fame, I believe. Yeah, that's you know that's a good connection. Six degrees of separation. That, that is a good Alabama Notre Dame connection, right there, because uh, easily on the short list of the greatest quarterback tight end uh, combination in NFL history, obviously. And oh they, oh and yeah, together. and quarterbacks love sure-handed tight ends. And so yep, and they even had a throwing to Dave Casper, especially that that. The game against, I guess, is Baltimore goes to the post or something like that, whatever it was called. 
Right. The, for, you know, they have a signature play that literally changed the rules in the NFL forever about, you know, Casper batted the ball forward. I believe it was a playoff game. Uh, <laughs> then it was recovered in the end zone by, was it Clarence Davis, uh, former USC guy uh, for the Raiders, but whatever. Um, yeah. So, again, Stabler to Casper, again, one of the great combos ever and uh, an interesting Alabama-Notre Dame connection and you know um you know one other thing to keep in mind here is just looking at it from a notre dame point of view is that uh your potential alabama vulnerability is just you know both lsu and georgia scored on alabama late in the game and both and actually uh each could have won the game uh you know at the end so i mean alabama knows a little bit about close games yeah. But it's not like they overtake them because, you know, and in both cases, you know, Alabama come back and scored, hit big passes when they absolutely had to have a big pass. And uh, so Alabama, again, you know, not only knows how to win close games, but simply has shown a slight vulnerability there as well. I mean, there's no slam dunks here. No, no. And uh, one other stat that is, is, is a glaring Strong point for Notre Dame. They've only surrendered two rushing touchdowns, John, all season. I mean, that's an incredible figure. I don't know if that's ever happened in modern day football for Notre Dame or very few teams. So, that's a great fact, and it got kind of lost because it was a big stat through much of the season, if I'm not mistaken, that got broken in the Pitt game, uh, where Pitt almost upset them, but I believe that was the first rushing touchdown they gave up this year and that was what game eight or nine right right so alabama's going to really be challenged by that front seven uh you know phil savage john is the radio broadcaster for alabama he's the former general manager of the cleveland browns and now he's affiliated with the philadelphia eagles but he received a call in september from a pro scout and he said phil i know who alabama will play next season for the national championship and Phil said, who might that be? And he said, Notre Dame. Well, a couple months later, Phil called that same scout back. He said, you are a year too too uh, late. I mean, because, you know, that front seven, he, you know, that was the reason he said he, he thought that Notre Dame would play for that championship because of the uh, capability of the front seven of Notre Dame. That's how good they're viewed by the professional people. Well, I guess you can just use the old saying, I uh, don't hear it as much now as we used to, but simply put, defense wins championships. And, you know, again, that could be the determining factor in this game. Will Notre Dame's defense, uh, you know, literally win the championship? And, you know, important to note, and it can't be overlooked, although it's obvious, Notre Dame is undefeated. And I don't care how they got there. I know they won a lot of close games, a lot, of, some of it luck, but they've also clearly acquired a skill to winning close games. That just doesn't happen by accident. So, no, I, I, I agree totally, John. When you have a team that's used to winning, they're never on their heels. Uh, very often, they always believe that they're going to win in the end, and they'll compete to the last whistle. And uh, some of the linemen that I spoke to, or defensive players, said. That Notre Dame offensive line, you better have it strapped on because they they try to knock you out right until the you know until the whistle. Yes, it's going to be interesting. And Notre Dame, let's not forget, has a couple of pretty good running backs of their own. 
uh, to put it mildly. And I thought that they, you know, have each shown up in different games, be it, you know, uh, Sierra Wood and, you, you know, uh, Theoretic. And Theo Riddick, who showed up big time in the USC game. Sierra Wood has showed up in some other games. And, you know, if they both show up on the night of January 7th, uh, they could, you know, elevate what is already going to be a spectacular game, obviously. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, John, that when I look at the game, when Alabama had trouble throughout the year is when they turned the ball over. I mean, in the Texas A&M game, they, uh, A.J., through two interceptions, and they had TJ had a fumble, and I believe I don't believe A and M had any any turnovers, and so they were you know consequently able to defeat Alabama. But even though A and M went up on Alabama twenty to nothing in the first quarter, Alabama was able to come back, and they ended it there at the end with an interception on the right side. AJ threw it, so that you know time just ran out. They were in position to win, but I think if Alabama can be turnover free, I think there's a good chance that they can win the football game. Now, if they turn the ball over, well, uh, there's no telling what that score might be. And, you know, the opportunities that Notre Dame will have, especially if you give them a short field and they don't have to drive on Alabama's defense. Absolutely. Well, it is just going to be the ultimate in appointment viewing, to put it mildly. And I know you're sticking around with us uh, on the other side of our break about to come up, and we'll touch on a couple of uh, other subjects of interest, specifically the coaching carousel in college football and as it pertains to the SEC. And with that said, we'll take our break. flagship station for sports voice america sports do you love sports talk can't get enough sports talk have we got a show for you it's about the nfl training camps super bowl previews a look at the new starting quarterbacks and weekly key injuries we'll take your calls and emails right on the air former philadelphia eagle james loving is your host and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot tune in to loving that sports talk with james loving every wednesday at noon pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel we some hard hitters we some hard hitters hard-hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show your hosts are nfl veterans mark mcmillan and co This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And still on the line with us is friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we've uh, broken down the national championship game between Alabama and Notre Dame on January 7th pretty well. But a lot happening. Alabama, obviously, an SEC power, to put it mildly. And uh, lots going on with the SEC. The coaching carousel is in full swing and nowhere our perspective on the coaching changes and let's start with uh you know the big one arkansas and the wisconsin coach uh really shocking the college football world by taking the job at arkansas yeah that was a total surprise john to see him leave wisconsin because i know he had the total support of uh, barry alvarez I was able to speak to Barry Alvarez a couple months ago in Mobile at the first and ten uh, club. He was speaking that evening, and uh, I mean, I know he was shocked that you know his coach went down to Arkansas. But you know, Arkansas, there's plenty of money in that you know that athletic department. You have the the Walmart family down there, right? The, yes. You have the Tyson family. You have Jerry Jones. I mean. Anytime you're looking for any extra funds to buy out a coach or up the ante, there's there's three families right there without even mentioning anyone else in the state of Arkansas. So he, he's a guy that brings a tough a mentality, a running mentality um, to the program, and, and I know the Arkansas fans are pretty excited about his his uh, move to the uh, to the Razorbacks. Exciting indeed, and that leads right into the next question, which was, of course, the former coach, Bobby Petrino, has now uh, accepted a job at Western Kentucky, and he is, you know, making the media rounds uh, from national radio and TV shows right to Sports Illustrated this week with Dan Patrick and basically uh, owning up to his situation, and now he's returning to the state of Kentucky. He used to coach at Louisville and ready to start anew. Yeah, he's, he's in a you know, great offensive mind, and he, like you say, he fessed up to his mistakes, and he'll just move on. And uh, I know the folks at uh, Western Kentucky are excited to have him. And, and you know, the West, a place like Western Kentucky, John, I don't think they – think a coach is going to be around for an extended period um, normally because it's more of a stepping stone type of program. So, you know, to get a, ca- a coach of his caliber to come to that program was a coup for them, e- even though he comes with a lot of baggage. Yeah, well, clearly, uh, you know, he needs to get back into the game, and Western Kentucky wants to get on the college football map. They've been a basketball power for years, dating back to the days of Jim McDaniel, and uh, <laughs> literally, and so you know, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Going back to the SEC, you know, a couple other coaching changes. I mean, Tennessee, Auburn. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Uh, the SEC is going to have a bit of a new look on the coaching front next year. Yeah, you know, 
Auburn, they ended up bringing back their their offensive guru from that championship team, Gus Malzahn. Yep. He'll, he'll put the um, <clears throat> the pedal to the metal with that offense. That you know that's his strategy to run a lot of plays and tire out the defense. Uh, one thing people should know about that offense, though, is they they have a lot of blockers that they what they have in front of the running back when they run those plays with the quarterback or those handoffs. If you'll notice, they'll be pulling a lot of guards and tackles one way or the other and. And so you can make a lot of yardage running, uh, believe it or not. People think it's just a wide-open spread offense type of thing. But, you know, he did well with the running game, um, it, you know, while while he was at Auburn as well. Yes, uh, another big one that was getting a lot of play simply because it was stretching on a little further than some, which was obviously the Tennessee job, high-profile job. <clears throat> yeah, Tennessee is a program that's been kind of dormant for a while. Excuse me, John. And and they hired a good coach from Cincinnati, and I'm I'm sure he'll do a good job. He's a uh, you know winner, and they're excited to have him as well. So I think it was a good selection. I know that a lot of some friends I had at Auburn, they were uh, they thought that maybe that'd be a candidate to come down and uh, take the reins of their program because they thought so much of him and his coaching uh, feats at Cincinnati. Yes, and lastly, looping back to uh, famous basketball schools looking to raise their profile in football, Kentucky, I believe, has a new coach. Yeah, they brought in one of the Stoops brothers, and they're, they're uh, notably uh, noted for their you know defensive uh, skills as, as in their coaching profession. So maybe they can get you know Kentucky to defend a little bit better and give give them a chance to win some games down the road. But he. He'll have uh, that's a tough task to win at Kentucky. Uh, you know, over a period of time, you, you it's kind of an up and down thing. Some years you're able to get your share of victories, but over the course of a you know five to ten years, it's very difficult to win consistently at a place like Kentucky because it's such a manpower game football, and you have to keep the pipeline filled every year with recruits. You just can't have too many down years when you're you're trying to find good players for the SEC. Yes, and now they'll just, you know, bring it full circle. Uh, not only are they going to try to become a football power, but now suddenly they have an in-state problem with Bobby Petrino at Western Kentucky. So, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, he's not going to make the task easier. Here in the recruiting front, but uh, I think Kentucky should, should get their share of players if they're going against Western Kentucky. I'm sure. I'm sure. The fact is they are in the SEC, the absolute power conference in the country to put it mildly and just to close out here we're under a minute what it's what the sec's seventh straight national championship game that they're playing in is that is that right uh, believe it or not john who would have ever thought uh, this would be the seventh opportunity for one conference i don't know we might not see it again i you took the words right out of my mouth i don't think you will see it again so let's enjoy it, and AP, once again, I just want to thank you so much for uh, bringing your perspective on Alabama, your expertise. Uh, they are, again, uh, on the verge of becoming, if they're not already, one of the great dynasties in the history of college football, playing the national championship January 7th against the foundation literally of college football in this country which is of course notre dame and so two-storied programs it is going to be something to behold 
you will be there in person in the Orange Bowl that night uh, in in Miami. So, again, uh, that's going to be something special. Yeah, John, I can't wait to to uh, watch those two storied programs and and see what the outcome might be. And I'm I'm hoping for a, a turnover free game by both teams. You're the best team. Yes. Absolutely, that would be the best. And once again, AP, thank you for joining us today. And to Voice America listeners, happy holidays to all of you. And that will do it for the show for this week. And look forward to doing it again next week. Well, thank you very much, John. Thank you, AP. Appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.